Our passage this morning comes from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Now, before I read our passage, let's go to the Lord in prayer that he would bless the reading and preaching of his word this morning. Dear Father, we come again in the name of Christ, and again we come beseeching your Holy Spirit, that life that is ours in Christ. We come to sit at the feet of the evangelist Luke, whom you inspired by the same Spirit infallibly for our instruction that we might know our Savior, that we might know our sin, and that we might know your grace to us in him. We ask your Lord that you would give us the same spirit, that he would dwell within our hearts this morning, that he would so work in the soil of our hearts, that we would not hear these words with hard hearts, that the devil can come and take away your word, that we would not hear these words with shallow hearts that grow up with joy, but the fruit of your word is burnt up and taken away by trial and tribulation. We ask your Lord that this word would not grow up among thorns, worldly cares and concerns. We ask, Father, that that we would know that there is one thing needful, and that is to sit at your feet. And we ask in the name of Christ and by your Spirit that this word would be planted in our heart and written thereon, that it might produce the fruit of repentance of our sin. Faith and joy in Jesus Christ, in obedience to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here now the reading of God's holy word from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And it came to pass, as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day, that they watched him. And behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. And Jesus answering spoke unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace. And he took him and healed him and let him go and answered them, saying, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again to these things. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever, and his people said, Amen. Amen. We have here Christ, again, persevering to set the law aright in the hearts of the people. Attentive hearers will know that this is not a unique instance in Christ's ministry. In the Gospel of Luke alone, we have several occasions where similar things have happened. In chapter 6, verses 6 through 11, Jesus is in the synagogue itself. And there is a man with a withered hand. And Jesus, knowing that the Pharisees then, like now, are seeking to catch him in a problem, in a snare, to ruin him, Ask if it is lawful to do good or to do wickedness on the Sabbath day. And to prove that it is lawful to do good, he takes him. He doesn't actually take him. He just speaks. He says, stretch out your hand. And the man with the withered hand, the withered right hand, 
that, were, where, that he did his work with, stretched it out, it became whole and useful again to him, and he was sent on his way. But more recently, I mean, it's only this, we're starting the 14th chapter. It hasn't been that long since we've been in the 13th chapter. In chapter 13, 10 through 17, we find Jesus there in a synagogue in Judea, uh, in Galilee. And there's a woman there who has been afflicted by the devil for many years. And Jesus releases her. And the president of the synagogue there is upset and incensed and says, you have six days to be healed. Come then for it, but not on the Sabbath day. And Jesus rebukes the man. Because what Jesus was doing then wasn't healing. He was letting loose the daughter of Abraham, who was bound. The fourth commandment in uh, Exodus, I mean, excuse me, in Deuteronomy is different from it is in Exodus. In Exodus, we, we trace the fourth commandment to honor the Sabbath day to the seventh day of creation in which God rested from his labors. In the fourth commandment in Deuteronomy 5, we trace it back to the day that God liberated his people out of Egypt and their bondage. But these are two sides of the same coin. This is the day of rest and the day of liberation. It mattered. There is also in chapter 6, 1 through uh, uh, 10, or 1 through 9, or 1 through 5, I'll get it eventually, uh, the... Uh, the lesson that, that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. And therefore, necessary things that are there to serve him are allowed on the Sabbath day. But it's interesting to note that Luke doesn't spend as much time as Jesus is teaching on, say, the seventh commandment and adultery and marriage as he does on the fourth commandment. But of course, this is given in the larger context because uh, for the Jewish people and, you know, for the church today, the Lord's Day is a major part of our piety and devotion to the Lord. It is the day, it's the first day of the week and not the seventh anymore, but it is the day in which we put God first. And it's the day that's given to us that we have time. To give ourselves to earnest prayer. It's the day that we have time to put work second. And give ourselves to hear the Lord speak to us. It's the day that we have to put second the concerns of the world that crowd among us. And we have opportunity to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. It is a gift that God has given to us. But it is also a token of all of our piety to the Lord. It is a token of the fact that we are starting this week serving the Lord because we plan to serve the Lord even when we are busied with other things first and foremost. And we do so... Not just because it is the law and command of God, but because it is God loves us and it is the good to which God calls us. So the question is, Jesus coming into, now he's not in a synagogue today, 
in, in Luke 14. He's actually been invited by one of the chief Pharisees of the region, probably somewhere between Galilee and Judea, because this is this part of his ministry where he's heading there for Jerusalem to die. The opposition against him is active. But he's been invited nonetheless to eat in the Pharisee's house. And this, as we see, is like many feasts in the ancient world, semi-public. There were the invited guests, and they were gathered around to hear the teaching. But because in these sorts of things, table talk of great philosophers and teachers, rabbis and prophets, it was good for all to hear. And so uh, these expansive homes were opened up. So along the, the, the corners of the courtyard or the room or wherever it was, there would be others sitting that were interested. And perhaps to receive a little bit of the excess of the kitchen for charity's sake. It was the Sabbath after all. And there is in this room, probably in the gallery, not an invited guest because Jesus sends him away. A man with dropsy. A man with edema. Uh, we remember our, our, our dear sainted sister. She had it. Uh, Diana. And it's not a pleasant thing to have. It's painful. It's restricting. And it's not something that was easily and often not even curable in the ancient world. And it's hard, depending on what's the cause of it, to treat today. And there he was. And so Jesus takes the opportunity to teach. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day or no? In verse 4, we see, or verse 3, we see that they hold their peace. Verse 4. But he's going to answer them with his actions. Unlike the man with the withered hand, he doesn't speak to the man with the dropsy saying, you're healed, go your way. He takes them into his hand. Because Jesus is uh, perhaps remembering the, the occasion just now passed of the woman that was delivered of the bondage of Satan. And how there was a notion that healing, perhaps the physician's arts, were something that was not a proper to the Lord's day. He's going to make it, this time, the target of discussion. Is it lawful to heal on the Lord's day? Now, he mentions the ass and the ox. The Egyptian text also mentions, I think think our pew Bibles, uh, the son or an ox. Uh, it, it, It matters not a great deal in this sense because both of them is getting to the love of our neighbor. The, the text in the Old Testament, the law that, that are traditionally, even by the rabbis, referred to here is Exodus 23, 4 and 5 and Deuteronomy 22, 4. It's interesting to read them, though. In 23, 4 and 5, if thou meet thy enemy's ox or his ass going astray, thou shalt surely bring it back to him again. If thou see the ass of him that hateth thee lying under his burden and wouldest forbear to help them, Thou shalt surely help with him. And in Deuteronomy 22, 4, Thou shalt not see thy brother's ass or his ox fall by the wayside and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt surely help him to lift him up again. This is where we get the phrase, our ox is in the ditch. 
It's interesting. We usually apply that to works of necessity on the Lord's Day to justify it. But that's not how Jesus uh, uses it. It's to justify works of mercy and kindness. You'll note, by the way, in both of those passages, the Lord's Day or the Sabbath Day is not referenced. And it's not in a passage that deals with Lord's Day regulations. But everybody understood that this work of mercy was proper to the Sabbath day. And so they allowed it of themselves. Because Jesus here, when he cites the passage in verse 5, he's noting the way they approach the law. Or the way they approach piety. Or the way they approach service unto the Lord. Because note, in Exodus, he's talking about one's enemy. In Deuteronomy, he's talking about one's neighbor. In Luke 14, Jesus brings it even closer. And he says, which one of you that have an ass or a son, or an asinine son, or an ox, and he fall into a pit... Would he not help him out? Jesus' point is you love yourself on the Lord's day. You love yourself on the Sabbath day. But love is seeking the good of another as you would yourself. Remember the law of God as Jesus taught in chapter 10 verses 25 through 28 as the lawyers answered him. Uh, the, the law of God, what God requires of us, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind or soul, with all of our strength, with all of our mind and our neighbor as ourselves. Or as Jesus would say in another location, uh, to love our neighbor as ourself, which is likened to the first commandment. In other words, they are the same. And the apostles tell us, all the apostles, Paul, Peter, Jude, John, They all tell us that there is no love to God with love to one another. And so hypocrites, in their facile, formal devotion to God, expel love from their devotion. This is what the Pharisees were doing with the Sabbath. They were casting out love from the Sabbath. And we see this from the very first go. In verse 1, they show hospitality, they invite Jesus to Sunday dinner. But they invite Jesus to Sunday dinner to watch him, to catch him out, to, to persecute him. As the psalmist, well, David will say because he experienced it many times, Psalm 37, uh, verse 32, uh, David writes, The wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. Here the Pharisees were watching the righteous one. Seeking to ruin him. And they made the Sabbath to be a stink. Like they made everything to be a stink. One of the continual complaints of the prophets is that the Lord's name is blasphemed because of the sins of his people. And this is what the Pharisees were doing. They were tending to themselves, but when they saw the afflicted in their presence. They begrudged the good done to them and for them in the name of God the Father. You look at Isaiah 58, a chapter that accuses those that claim to serve the Lord for serving them in his own way. 
and bringing judgment upon themselves. I won't read the whole chapter, but Isaiah 58, verses 10 through 14. If thou draw thy soul to the hungry, draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light arise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make that thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and a spring of water whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. Thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day... And call the Sabbath a delight, not a burden, a delight. The holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing thy own ways, nor finding thy own pleasure, nor speaking thy own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Here's the problem with hypocrisy in a formal legalistic religion. It takes what is meant for our good and actually agrees with Satan and says these are burdens too grievous to bear. The world will tell you that rebellion is liberty. That disobedience is freedom. That finding your own way is the way of happiness even as we see it time and time again, lead to destruction, ruin, and bondage, not only to sin, but all manner of things in this world. We tend to call in our sin good, evil, and evil good. Think about the very word holiness. Does it conjure up in your mind freedom and delight, beauty and relief? Or does it conjure up in your mind rigidity and burdens and dourness? When we say, he's a goody-goody two-shoes, is that a compliment? Were Puritans called Puritans as a source of honor? No. No. When somebody is holier than thou, we don't look upon him as somebody to reach up to. We look upon himself as somebody who lords it over us. Why? Because of hypocrisy. That has made the devotion to God to be a stink and a ruin. But in this passage, we also not only should take the warning in looking at the, the Pharisees, but we should also look at Christ, that worthy Lord of the Sabbath here that is revealed unto us. He is the Lord of love. He doesn't just tell us to love our neighbor. He's not cowed from the reputation that he would incur and the enmity of those that stood in the, the, the leader's position, the seat of the Pharisees, the seat of Moses. He took him, verse 4, in, in a way to show the work of compassion. He healed him and sent him on his way. We see him as the, not only the Lord of love, but also the love of truth. The Lord of truth, judging the heart. His, his speeches, his, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day or not? And the reference to the, uh, the oxen and the, the other of the, 
uh, the Pharisees, these were answers. In other words, these were, uh, these were lessons. These were uh, responses to the attitude that if he did not hear them, he at least perceived them of those around him. Because the Lord is a two-edged sword judging the depths of the heart, Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. But we also see him here as the Lord of the Sabbath that gives us rest. This gift to us. You know, from the foundation of the world, the Sabbath day was on the seventh day to mark God's creation, to mark God's deliverance of his people out of Israel. But ever since the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the day of the Lord has been the first day of the week. We see it in the New Testament, the day that they gathered, the day that uh, the, the, the church was baptized, the day that John received his revelation. It is the day that Christ conquered death for us. It is the day that Christ in the ascension took upon his crown and sits on the right hand of God the Father to protect his saints, to draw them to himself, and to undo the work of the devil. And it is the day he baptized his church. The day that he made them holy. The day that he poured out his Holy Spirit. That they might go forth into all the world and conquer. It is, we see in Luke 6, the day to do good. Because we have a good Savior. It is the day to proclaim the liberation from the bondage of sin. Because it is the day our Lord went about freeing people from the bondage to Satan. 13, 10 through 7. And it is the day to be made whole, as Christ demonstrates here. The Lord's day, as Christ tells his disciples in Luke 6, man is made, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath day. The Lord's day is made for you and for your good to do you good. And so we, we hear these warnings uh, in reference to the Lord's day, but in reference to all of our devotion and discipline. You cannot love God without loving his image in your brethren. Particularly those who are truly your brothers in Christ Jesus. Nowhere in, in scripture are the prophets happy with a people that love their Lord and turn a cold heart to their neighbor. John in his first epistle, chapter 3, 16, 17. Hereby we know the love of God that Christ laid down his life for the brethren. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And we can say such things because we know that very few of us will be called to die for our brother and sister in Christ. So John goes on in 17. He who has this world's good and sees his brother in need and shuts up the bowels of compassion against him. How dwells the love of God in him? It doesn't. You don't. And therefore you don't love God either. We cannot love God without loving our brethren. And so when we come together on Sunday morning, it's not to prove to our neighbor and to one another church members that we are Christians. It's to do good. To receive the Lord's word for our own good. 
but to encourage one another. As, as the Hebrews says in Hebrews 10, 25, 24, 25, you know, don't neglect the gathering yourselves together on the Lord's day in order to encourage one another to good works, to comfort one another, to come alongside one another, to know one another. You should do it all the time. But here's the time that we have where we can put everything else second in that first. Because form without the reality is the work of the enemy. There'll be many, as we read in 13 verses 24 to 27 and Matthew 7, 21 to 24, there'll be many that claim to know the Lord. Uh, Isaiah 58, 1 and 2. Lord, Lord, did we not eat with you and drink with you? Did we not hear you teach in our streets? Did we not preach in your name and cast out devils in your name and heal in your name? And the Lord will say unto them, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You never loved me. You never loved my people. That's the warning. The command. But also the great privilege is to call the Sabbath a delight. It is the day that we remember that Christ did us good, freeing us and making sinners whole. It is the day to give to each other. It is the day to love one another in Christ Jesus. David says, Psalm 16, verses 2 and 3, My good does not extend unto thee, O Lord, but to the saints that are in the land, the excellent in whom is all my delight. In other words, I can't do you good. That is what love is, by the way. Doing good for the others. That's why we can love our enemies, because we can do good for our enemies. That's what God does to us. I can't do good to you. I can't improve your situation, O Lord, because you are the most perfectly blessed. But out of love to you, I will do good for those whom you love. Your saints, your people. Loving one another is loving God in Jesus Christ. And that's the lesson that Jesus has us to learn on the Sabbath day and every Sabbath day, every Lord's day from here until he comes again. That we might be the people of God, the kingdom of God, the church of God, the family of God. That we might be one body bearing one another's burdens. And finding our good in one another's good in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you this morning in the name of Christ. And we ask that you would inflame us with that knowledge of your love to us. That we might love you in loving one another. And Father, we ask that you would sanctify unto us every work of piety that we do. That we might find our delight in it. And that we might find in it. That way to love our neighbor, to seek their good. And Father, we ask that in the name of Christ, you would make us salt and light and good to this dark and wicked world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.